Welcome to the Great American Collectible Show, seen Wednesdays on the Sports Collectors Daily Facebook page and the Great American Collectibles Facebook page. You can also listen to us on iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Spotify. The Great American Collectibles Show is brought to you by the National Sports Collectors Convention and Sports Collectors Daily. Tonight's headlines are brought to you by Sports Collectors Daily. For all your hobby news, features, and more, go to sportscollectorsdaily.com. And now your host, Tom Zappala and Red Sox Hall of Famer, Rico Petroselli. Oh, Hello, God. Oh, my Welcome, God. Everyone. Oh, my God. What's the matter now? Look, what? look how far we're apart. Look, look I know, at this. I can, fit, I can fit a piece of paper in between the two of us. Yeah, well, you'll you keep touching me. I don't know about I that. I mean, I, you know, please. All right. What do you want me to do? Hey, welcome to the Great American Collectible Show. Tom Zappler, my co-host and my good pal, Red Sox Hall of Famer, Rico Petroselli is in the house. We have a great show today. Uh, Danny Wilkin from Memory Lane Auctions is uh going to be with us. He's going to be with us for the whole hour. All Al right. Christofoli from Love of the Game is going to join us a little later on. Remember, you can watch us on Facebook, YouTube, or listen to us on any of your favorite podcast platforms. What's your favorite? Uh, uh, X. What's the other one? X. <laughs> right? What's the other one? Say that. YouTube. Yeah, yeah, right. Spotify. No, YouTube. No, you're, pathetic. you're pathetic. And also, you can listen to us on 980 WCAP up in the Boston area. But before we chat with Dan, our headline. Oh. And I want to I ask both of you guys this. All right. Store employee sentenced in theft case. SGC's 23 grading numbers. Auction results and all of that. This is from Rich Miller's blog. But we're going to talk about this one guy. A Texas man who stole boxes of cards from the sports card shop where he was employed has been sentenced. Gentry Domingo Holt, 35, pleaded guilty to theft charges after he was caught on camera stealing from OPC baseball cards in wherever. Caldwell, whatever the hell that is. Caldwell, Texas. Clips from, there it is. Huh? Really? Clips from surveillance cameras showed Holt swiping inventory from the store shelves and carrying out, he swiped $15,000 in merchandise. What do you think he was sentenced to? 35 years. Three years of probation and a $1,500 fine, $290 in court costs, 100 hours of community service, and 500 bucks in restitution to cover the deductible on the insurance claim. I have a problem with that. No kidding. I think he should have been brought to the gallows because <laughs> this is getting out of control with stealing and breaking into car shops. So you're going to make a, you know, you got a, what do they call it? An example. Yeah, the gallows. Well, you know what it is? It's probably the judge. Thought, well, they, these are base cards. Exactly. So, uh, what am I going to do? That's nothing. I'm not well, anyways, you can get the whole story on Sports Collectors Daily. Go to sportscollectorsdaily.com. Okay, let's bring in our good pal. Danny, hey Danny, you know what I just realized, Rico and I. Oh, wait a minute! What? Don't say Rico and I. Let's no, see you, what too. you just you noticed. Too. Because <laughs> when you know we're we're working remotely, so we don't hear any of the music. Like 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 when you introduced the show, you did the lead in for us. We can't hear the music, and it sounds so much nicer with your your voice in front of the music. But I guess when we watch the show, we're going to hear the music. Correct. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> all right, Danny. Uh, Dan Wilkin isn't. First of all, 
you know, we've talked about this. We're going to be talking about it a lot. I believe next week we're going to be uh, uh, showing the link that Rico and I are going to be doing a fundraiser on March 2nd down here in Florida for Little Smiles. Uh, we're sending an email out, but please, we're asking you 10 bucks, 20 bucks, five bucks, a buck, whatever you can afford. If you could click on the link, um, we would really, really appreciate it. Uh, you can watch it right now. The link is in the comments section. But if you can do that, whatever you could contribute, uh, we want to help these oh, kids. These kids are precious. Yeah, precious Believe kids, me, kids man. that are sick, kids that are in hospitals, hospice, uh, homeless. This is a great organization. Yeah. And Dan, ninety-three bucks, uh, ninety-three cents of every buck goes right to the kids. Yeah, that's great. That's wonderful. not too bad. All right, you right. have an auction going on. First of all, let's talk about that. Let's get that out of the way because we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, the auction ends January thirteenth this Saturday. Um, you got to get your bids in uh, by seven o'clock Eastern Standard Time in order to go into extended bidding. And uh, we've got some incredible stuff. I'm actually going to uh, check out our catalog, which I have in front of me. Um, lot one is this 1915 Babe Ruth rookie era postcard. I mean, the, the thing is obviously well over, you know, 100, 100 years old. And uh, it's just something that, you know, go find another. They're just they're so impossible to find. We've got a uh, 1920s Yankee card. This is actually one of uh, Ruth's first Yankee cards. And uh, that's lot number two. Ruth We've is really still hot, man, huh? Yeah, you know why? Amazing. He's just, he's a household name. I mean, the guy's name is in movies. And I'll tell you what helps out with that, the popularity. What helps out is that he is, he's still in all different types. He was so nice. That's my point. My point is that he was so nice to people. People would want his autograph. He'd go to hospitals. He'd sign and sign and sign. You know, I think there are probably about two or 3,000 Babe Ruth autographs versus one Lou Gehrig autograph. So this guy was very popular. He was, mm. you know, he would do things with kids. You know, in theaters, they would have these skits that kids would do, and then he'd give them an autograph. So he's still, you know, an extremely, you know, it's his name, Enrico Petroselli. These are household names. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. I think Petroselli is a little more household than Ruth. It's an Italian deli. I, I asked Cliff Keen, who was who passed away, was a writer for Great the writer. Boston Globe. And uh, <clears throat> Cliff told us, this is going back when I first uh, broke in, he told us that he saw Babe Ruth play, and he uh, said he was the greatest. And, he, and at that time, he saw... You know Aaron and Mantle and all and Willie and all that. He said Ruth was the greatest player that ever played in the game because number one, obviously, his power, his average, his RBIs, his uh, you name it. But he could run the bases and he had a great arm. He was an out outstanding outfielder with well, a great see, arm. You would never think that he, you know, that know. he would be a great outfielder. Yeah. I mean, Correct. certainly yeah. maybe later yeah. when he gained weight and slowed down a little bit, but And then he had those little skinny legs. Yeah, imagine if he had DH was there as at that time. Oh god. Oh. So yeah. great. Great player. Yeah, so we have we have a lot of, you know, a lot we're we're Ruth heavy. Uh we've got a lot of T cards. We have a high grade collection of 1910 P2 Sweet Caporal pins. Those pins are so beautiful. The, the condition, 101 different pins. 
you know, again, this type of stuff, it's like walking into the Smithsonian. So, you know, how are you going to find this stuff? But jump into our auction, by the way, www.memorylaneinc.com. Um, just, hey, I'll tell you another piece. Lot 19's a E90-2 uh, Caramel Honus Wagner. It's an SGC2. Take a look at that portrait. Take a look at that image of Honus Wagner. I mean, close to the T206. You know, if you can't afford a couple million, maybe you can afford 40 or 50 grand. Well, that's you what know. they say. They say that card is the poor man's uh, T206 Honus Wagner. Yeah. And it just, it jumps out at you. It is an SGC too. But to me, you know, it presents a lot better. It's just, you see the whole frame of his body. It, it's an incredible shot. You can even, you know, you look at that card that you see his jersey and it screams like the flannel, you know, is just coming off the cards. So that's really cool. A bunch of Cracker Jack cards, um, you know, we have, you know, from Napoleon Lajoie to Eddie Seacott, Grover Alexander, Tris Speaker. Again, just these are high, high-end Hall of Famers. That's a great, you know, something that is such a great issue, those the that those, those Cracker Jacks. Beautiful colors. Uh when we wrote that book with Mallory, yeah. that was what a, that was a fun, fun jack, project. Sure, that was just a great, a great, great set. And some and of them have the caramel on them too, don't they? Uh... You're you're exactly right and on the back because they'll have that stain for when they're in the caramel. But I'll tell you and what, jack box. I'll tell you what's really incredible about those cards. Ninety nine point nine percent of the time, you find them graded, so people do not know that that the card is like it's like paper. So the like if you if you hold one raw, they literally they they bend. It's they bend. Wow. They feel like paper. You know, That's it's not amazing. a hard stock card. So another uh, section of our auction, which is really incredible, are some extremely high end signed mantle cards that are high grade, and the autographs are tens, nines, and tens. Another guy that has just held. Firm and solid since we've been in this hobby. Yeah. I mean, autograph cards alone have taken off like you wouldn't believe. You could get these cards. Like a, back in the day, they said that, you know, why would you collect a card with an autograph on it? Because it, it devalues the card because you're killing the condition. If you have a mint mantle today, like in an eight or nine, it's going to get extraordinary numbers. But if it's signed, people said, you know, you're crazy to get it signed because you're defacing the card. Then cut to 20, 30 years later, it's the hottest thing on the block because no one got cards signed. Not yeah. no one, but a lot of people, you know, decided not to get cards signed. Good so, guy, Rico. Yeah, huh? Because you couldn't, uh, no, you couldn't get to the some of the guys. You know? And Mantle was a good guy. Oh, he was a great guy. He was a very humble guy from Oklahoma, you know, and uh, people loved him. Yeah, no, he, And he, he has that reputation, like Ruth. You know, you think baseball, you think Mickey Mantle, you know, uh, and uh, of course I played against him, but Willie Mays, uh, Aaron, I told you the Koufax. I mean, you, you played these guys. These guys were you played in the golden age of baseball. Fortunate. I mean, I fortunate. You, Are you yeah. kidding me? No, was, you yeah. played with and 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 against. I mean, uh, people yeah, that are I, iconic. Yeah, the iconic. Yeah, they, I mean, you, like literally the titans of baseball. Really? I mean, that's just. On a, a serious note, that 
for you to be associated with with that with that group of legends is by far i mean it's just an era it's an era of real popular like you said like manolin Kofax, and aaron he did and that's how i got my uh my nickname. So if I would walk with Yaz or sometimes uh, with uh, Aaron at a you know a dinner or whatever it might be, they'd say, hey, look at that. It's Hank Aaron. And then they'd say, who's he? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that was my nickname. <laughs> who's he? Oh, God. You are. Oh, no. no, no true. Stop it. Stop anyway. It. Um, anyway. Okay. Here's what we're going to do, uh, Dan. We're going to take a little break. Sure. But we're not, not a commercial break because this is a very, very important part of the show. It is time for our segment on deck with Rico. Really? Yeah. Wow. Now we can't hear the music. Right. <laughs> or so just go ahead. We, I'm sorry? I can't hear just anything. Just go ahead. In fact, I can't. What did she say? Yes. Number one in our hearts. Number one on the roster. It's Rico Petroselli. Ah. <laughs> Christy, that, that was, was great. very, very good. <laughs> okay, it's time for our segment on deck with Rico, brought to us by our good friend Brian Dwyer and the great staff at REA Auctions. Don't forget to get your bid in by going to robertedwardauctions.com. That's Robert Edward Auctions for extraordinary results and extraordinary service. And Danny, you can chime in here. This oh, is a good question. It is. This was submitted by Mike Miller. Yeah, Mike. Rico, this is kind of a two-part question. All right. What was the longest hitting streak you had, number one? And number two, is the difference between a hitting streak and a slump all mental? So let's go back to number one. What was your longest hitting streak? Uh, four think, games? Yeah, four games. <laughs> four games, right. And actually, it should have been an error. They gave me a hit. <laughs> I don't know if I had. Hey, I know this slump I had. Over no, no, let's talk about. I don't want to talk about this. I'm telling you, four game. Now, I think I had like 12, 14 game hitting streak. You did. One time. Yeah. I couldn't count after 12. <laughs> a baker's dozen. Right. Now, hey. all right. So 12 or 14. Yeah. Something like good. that. It's not bad. No, that's not bad. It's not, uh, it's, 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 it's not uh, historic. Let's put it that way. It's hysterical. That's now, and, and your, since we're on the, uh, on the subject, and Danny can chime in here, your longest hitless streak was what? Over 32. And then I, I got a hit off uh, my first hits of Robin Roberts. He was 82 oh, wow. years old. He was 82 years old. He's he a 60 mile an hour fastball. Yeah, he's actually 114 jammed. years old today. Well, I, I so, got so after the hit that night, Rico sent him like we just sent him a basket. <laughs> I did. He sent him a basket <laughs> and flowers. Thank you. All right, so Rick, what is the difference between a hitting streak and a slump? Is it mental? Is no, it all mental? Not really. Um, you know, Bobby Dorr was a great because he was a great player, uh, second baseman in the Red Sox, Hall of Famer. He used to tell us it's part of his mental, but usually you're doing something physically wrong, okay? And what would happen if you get into a slump, you start, yeah, you start trying all different things. Try this, try that. So then it work. becomes mental. Well, that yeah, I mean, it is mental too. And uh, <clears throat> when you're hitting well, you, the ball looks like a, a grapefruit, and uh, your, your confidence just builds up. You just feel like you could hit anyone. 
But I tell you, I handled slumps real well. You know, I told you what I would do. I'd uh, after going over over fourteen. There we go. No, I would say I would go home, drive home. One twenty-eight. Stop on one twenty-eight, a main uh, highway, and park my car and walk to the middle, <laughs> lay down, and hope somebody will run over me. That's oh. how I handle slumps. Oh god! Oh. So that's uh, anyway. Yeah, part of it's mental. There's no doubt about it. But usually taking your eye off the ball or overstriding, trying too hard, pressing. That's it, Danny. What do you, what do you, what do you say about all this? Do you have a question for him or anything? No. You know what? I want to know back in the day. Um, I'm going to get a little serious here, which is rare on this show. Um, what you know, at the beginning of life, at the beginning when you decided baseball is going to be my, you know, goal to be a professional baseball player. Baseball is going to. I'm going to take that road. How did you start? You know, what came to you that said, "Hey, I like baseball. I'm going to. I'm going to. You know." play competitively and try and become a, you know, a professional baseball player. That's a good question because I, uh, my number one sport was basketball at a very young age, you know, five, six, seven years old, because it was all you needed was a basketball and, you know, it was not expensive, but the big thing was that my family moved from one section, Italian section where there was very volatile, there was a lot of uh, mob stuff, the mob stuff and all that guys getting killed every other day and blah, blah, bing. And uh, so we fought a lot. Kids there, you know, young guys are always fighting. So we moved to an area that was uh, predominantly Jewish and, but mixed, you know, certain areas. And uh, so one day uh, in this, we, we moved right next to a schoolyard, you know, the school I went to and we had the schoolyard. So went to school, we had this, uh, this time, free time, uh, everybody went to the to the uh, schoolyard and played. So I had this pink, you know, uh, Spalding, we used to call it, ball. And I was throwing it up, throwing it up, trying to get higher and higher. And then when, one time it came down, hit off my hand, and started rolling. And this other kid went after the ball. I thought he was going to take the ball and take off. That's because of where you came from. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so I ran at the kid. And, and he had the ball, and I went and <laughs> I punched him. <laughs> I'm sorry. I punched the kid, and, you know, it was like, what are you trying to do, steal my ball? No, no, no. And one another kid came over to me, Bob, Bobby Silvan. Silvan, he's passed away since then. But Bob was said, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean when I'm doing trying to take my ball? He says, no, we don't do that. He wasn't trying to. He was trying to get you the ball to bring it back. I said, well, I don't know about that. He says, you want to play ball? I said, yeah, you know, my father's a coach of a youth team, like a little league, 12 years old. I said, uh, I don't know. So he gave me a uniform and I put it on and looked at it. I said, hey, that's cool, man. <laughs> you know, so I said, yeah, I'll play. Where do you play? What position? I don't know. You know, I'll, I'll pitch, you know, I'll play somewhere. So I started pitching. That was the beginning wow. of my baseball uh, career. Wow. Really sports, because I live right next door to a schoolyard. And we had the basketball courts. We played softball, even football, you know, tackle. That uh, is very, so very R.I.P. Bobby so Silverman. Bobby Silverman, he was so closest friend. Stewie Levine, uh, I had such great kids. But I also had, because of my past, I had a group of guys that were a little tougher. <laughs> right. Stand on the corner, you know. Uh, yeah, like uh, – <laughs> 
Charlie, Vito, Charlie Bumbats, and Vito Genovese, <laughs> Vito <skit>. Genovese's kid, <laughs> Carlito no. Gambino, right? Yeah, but you know something, Rico? That's a great, great story. Uh, you never told me that story. No, well, I don't tell you all things. You know? <laughs> well, I, you know, so you no, started, Rico. You started then, as far as that's where you, you know, for the love of the game. Now yes. let's cut to. I got a quick question for you. How does it feel to be called? a hall of famer seriously how does it feel well, red sox, hall, red of sox hall of famer yeah yeah a red oh, sox hall it's an of honor famer. it's an honor there's no doubt about it you know once they started of course ted williams was the first guy in and some of the older guys and then when we got the call i was on with Tiant, dick raditz mel oh, yeah. parnell at the time this was 97 1997 and wow, they had a big dinner, and we went up there, and it was. It well, was, I, you know, son, I, I know he hates when I I tout his horn, I blow his horn. But uh, in the most recent uh, survey, Red Sox survey, they have Rico Petroselli as the number he was as a number three greatest shortstop in team history, which is. Oh, wow. Uh, the only right. two ahead of him was with Nomar and uh, Xander Bogats. And they wow. have Rico as number three. And, I mean, there were some players, Rico, that were great. Johnny was a uh, uh, Pesco. was a short He was yeah, a short I mean, an honor, but those things, I, I, it's a lot just, of times. It's, just, it's a feather in your cap, though. Uh, yeah, it really I, is. Where's my cap? All right, <laughs> listen, we're going to take a quick break. Danny's in the enough house. Enough about me. Dan, too. that's why we love you coming on, man, because we can go in any different direction with you. You know, love and it. we love it. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Rico Petroselli. Right now, thousands of children are facing the most difficult times in their lives with serious illness, homelessness, and other tragedies. I hope that you can join us on March 2nd at the County Line Restaurant in Juno Beach, Florida for a live auction and some great baseball talk. If you can't join us, please consider a donation to littlesmilesfl.org. That's littlesmilesfl.org to help these kids. And when you donate, please mention the Great American Collectibles Show. We hope you'll help. Since 1996, Brian Drent and the staff at Denver's Mile High Card Company have led the charge in the collectibles hobby. Mile High is a full-service dealer specializing in buying and selling cards and offers a competitive consignment program for all collectors. Whether it be their computerized want list service, appraisals, or auction services, Mile High has it all. If you've been searching for a company with a selection of high-grade vintage 1888 to 1970 baseball cards and memorabilia that shares your passion, aim high, mile high. Go to milehighcardco.com or call 303-840-2784 for more information. This is Brian Drent, president of Mile High Card Company. Is your sports card and memorabilia collection properly insured? For easily replaced personal property, Homeowner's insurance is all most people need, but for prized possessions that you may have spent a lifetime collecting, it doesn't go nearly far enough. Collectibles Insurance Services has been insuring for over 50 years. They offer a full range of protection and a $0 deductible at an affordable rate with no appraisals required. I know because they insure my collection. If you have a minute, go to collectinsure.com and learn more about insuring your personal card or memorabilia collection. Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auctions, here to remind you that the renowned Memory Lane Collectibles Company has served as a beacon of light to the collecting community for the past several decades. 
Indeed, folks, it has been our utmost privilege and pleasure to provide the most enthusiastic collectors with an abundance of the finest sports cards and memorabilia for America's most coveted sports personalities via our world-class auctions. Whether you choose either a private sale transaction or the auction route, Memory Lane cordially invites you to reach out to us to maximize the value of your prized possessions. Also, it is not just sales that we pride ourselves on being the best of the rest, because if you are seeking a particular keepsake for your esteemed gathering, we will be relentless in our quest to find that special piece to fulfill your collecting dreams. So no time to wait. Reach out to us today for the purposes of capitalizing on our unparalleled marketing capabilities. Simply pick up the phone and dial 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE. Or find us on the World Wide Web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Now is the time for your valued consignment to ultimately become another one of Memory Lane's record-setting prices. How would you like to own the bat that was used by your favorite player when he hit that towering home run or game-winning base hit? Now look no further than JT Sports, specializing in the sale and authentication of professional game-used bats. As the official authenticators of professional model game used bats for PSA DNA, JT Sports will guarantee the authenticity of any bat purchased from them. JT Sports also buys and sells game-worn uniforms, gloves, and baseball equipment. The unique quality of the collectible is what JT Sports is all about. Give them a call at 609-487-8003 or check them out at GameUseBats.com. Okay, we are back, and don't forget, in a little while, Danny, uh, Dan Wilkinson with us, and uh, in a little while, Al Christofoli from Love of the Game yes. Auctions is going to be joining us. In the meantime, Rico, tell us about our good friend, Charlie Perino, and yeah. the gang at J.R.I. Read, read it correctly. Right. Please? If you want to have an absolute blast at obtaining <laughs> some great modern and vintage cards, you got to check out J.R.I. Cards. Our paisan, Charlie the Iron Ripper Perino, along with Money Marco, the Dollar Dollar Girls, and the JR Gang, and Al Capone, <laughs> give you the chance to participate in opening a graded, unopened, and sealed fresh wax, or I call it cello pack, of your favorite cellos and non sport favorite. <laughs> it's easy. You buy in, Charlie opens the pack, and you get a pack fresh card. It's that simple. As a matter of fact, if you pull that special jewel, the guys at JR Cards will even have it graded for you on the house. Featured in the LA Times, ESPN, and USA Radio, JRI is the hottest card pulling show on the internet. Charlie and the staff make it fun, entertaining, and enjoyable with his collection of hats and sound effects. And don't forget that JRI donates a part of their proceeds <laughs> to various charities. That's JRI Cards. Check out their exclusive breaks and events that everyone is talking about. They're always digging up cardboard treasures. For a great hobby experience, go to JRICards.com. Okay. Welcome. I need, I to- need oxygen. You got any oxygen? <laughs> okay. Welcome to another GAX moment. Brought to you by our good friend Paul Borges and the great staff at PB Collectibles. 
Go to pbcollectibles.com to find that special card or piece of memorabilia. This week, I want to talk about something that a good friend of ours, uh, Al Cristofoli, uh, regarding an editorial that he wrote uh, about needing a standard catalog again. And I couldn't agree with him more. A good friend, Al, from Love of the Game Auctions, recently wrote an article on the need and importance of reestablishing the standard vintage catalog baseball catalog again. When the editor of the standard catalog, Bob Lemke, passed away, the parent company, F&W Media, filed for bankruptcy protection, and the publishing assets were purchased by Penguin Random House. Active Interest Media also jumped in buying the collectibles magazine's positions from F&W. It gets a little convoluted. The long and the short of it is that nobody is producing a standard catalog of vintage baseball cards. We're not even sure who owns it. Published pricing in a new standard catalog is really not necessary because you can find pricing anywhere on the Internet. That's not what we're looking for. What's important is a publication that produces and updates checklist catalogs, new variations and discoveries, as well as updating the hobby's knowledge base. For example, if a dealer or auction house makes a new discovery of additional cards to a particular set that nobody knew existed, who do they report it to? Who do they report? I mean, it, it doesn't make sense. As an additional problem, none of the third-party grading companies will accept uncatalogued variations or cards because they're not cataloged. As I said, we really don't know who owns the standard catalog, but the good folks at Sabre are willing to do the research if the owner donates the rights and assets to them. They are willing to update it annually. Sabre is a perfect, perfect case for producing the catalog. And if not Sabre, then maybe the Hall of Fame should consider stepping up to the plate. The bottom line here is that we need a standard catalog. It is of the utmost importance. And that's another Gax moment. I agree with you 100% because it just carries on. The, uh, the information needs to be saved and archived because two, 300 years down the road, you're going to talk about variations from T206s. They might find more variations of cards and, and sets like that. So it only helps and strengthens the hobby. Well, here's the other thing. Al's going to be joining us a little later on. He'll give us a couple of examples where he discovered with some, uh, what I can't remember, the a couple of, uh, one of the Babe Ruth issues, they discovered more cards. They discovered yeah. more cards. And they couldn't get them uh, authenticated. Yeah, PSA would not yeah. would not authenticated because they weren't cataloged. So PSA says we can't do it. That's why it's important that we really, really, really have a standard catalog. I think it, it is so important, Dan. Yeah, and another reason why I think our hobby is so great is that people say, well, things are drying up. There are still so many basements all around the world where people are starting to discover cards, find them. And I'll tell you, from candy shop owners who would just put things in the basement, the house would sell three times over, they'd find things. And it's great to continue to see there's all these like neat discoveries. Well, I got a question for you now. <laughs> this young man next to me, Young? We ha we go at it with this. You know, the modern, oh God! I, I, has the modern? Let me go ahead. The modern collector see 
seen the read the question. He said, read yeah, the question. Has the modern collector seen the light about diversifying? Okay, of course. Well, what let, do you let think? Let me answer that question. Dan, what do you think? Has the modern collector yeah. seen the light about diversification? Yeah. It's getting better. It's getting better. You know, all these new card guys are starting to, you know, diversify and get into more vintage. It's real. It's black and white. It's plain and simple. They are. They're learning about the hobby. They're seeing where, you know, they're getting a little bit smarter understanding that scarcity pays. You know, if you're going to buy low pop, you're going to get a great return. And with newer cards, they're starting to realize how to educate themselves and go to the PSA pop report and see that a card at in a 10, there's 10,000. And I'm not exaggerating, like the Luka Doncic. We go over this every time I'm on this basketball card of this like legendary Hall of Famer. There's over 20, and I'm not kidding, 20,000 PSA 10s. So they're starting to educate themselves and realizing that scarcity, you know, it's supply and demand. So they are. Again, to add to that, in my opinion, the card companies that are producing these cards are kind of marketing the cards. And we've talked about it many times, but there are people that they use to market those cards to get the word out to these young investors. Hey, you should really buy this card. This is a great card. You know what I'm saying? Buyer beware. Yeah, but he's like he said, the young investors, okay? We're not talking about what? Look in the camera. Oh, hello. (laughs) Uh, No, we're not talking about the, the, uh, if you will, professional collector who has a little bit more money, can get into vintage, maybe some cards in vintage, but also taking a shot at some of these other uh, more, more modern cards. But Rick, that's all. I'm I saying. mean, at, at you, the beginning, especially uh, again, let's, I, I've used the, this example a million times, but it's the truth. When the Juan DeFranco card rookie card came out, some guys were investing thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in that card because it was a PSA 10. Yeah. True or false, Dan? Oh, hundred percent. And they had like, you know, cards with one oh one cards, you know, and and that's where you have to be careful. That's you're rolling yeah. dice, you're gambling. Yes. And you know, and you also have these young kids. Don't um discount the income that some of these kids have because some of these influencers make more money than all three of us put Absolutely together. Agree Absolutely agree with you. Our lifetime. Absolutely agree. Twenty something year olds that are making five, ten million you know, that are getting kickbacks on advertising to be influencers. It, it's happening. And so I don't discount. I, I say you're in your 20s, get educated and figure out a, a good path and, and read the pop report and understand, understand scarcity. Pristine Auction is a family owned and operated online auction specializing in autograph memorabilia, sports cards, coins, art and collectibles. Since their founding in 2010, they've grown to two facilities in Phoenix, Arizona, totaling over 60,000 square feet. Jared Cavalier and an incredible staff of over 150 team members serve a very large customer base and enjoy every minute of it. By working with leading authentication companies, Pristine ensures all items are 100% authentic. In addition, third-party authenticators regularly travel to Pristine Auction to provide authentication services on-site. Pristine Auction strives to operate its business in a way that's honoring to God, their families, and their customers. With a strong focus on speed, 
quality and premier customer service, their mission is to be the leading online auction for every level of collector and fan. Pristine also works for Hope Sports and Identity Hoops International, traveling to Mexico to build houses for the less fortunate. Pristine Auction offers several online auction formats with thousands of auctions ending each day. For more information, go to pristineauction.com. That's Pristine Auction, the best in the business. If you are a discerning collector interested in owning the most important pieces in the hobby, look no further than Leland's Auctions. The original sports auction and appraisal house, Leland's was established in 1985 by legendary pioneer founder Joshua Leland Evans. And today, President Mike Hefner carries on the tradition. From the Tom Brady card and memorabilia collection, to the famed Boston Garden auction, to high-end card auctions from every major sport, Leland's has always maintained the highest standards. Go to Leland's.com and get your bid in. That's Leland's the hobby's leading sports auction house for four decades. It's often been said that championships are won on the practice field and world records come only to those willing to work harder than everybody else. Heritage Auctions is the world's largest collectibles auctioneer because we believe that becoming the best is only an invitation to the challenge of remaining the best. This requires the skills of the hobby's top experts capable of identifying and maximizing value for our consigners. It requires the most visited website in the industry, courting a global audience of collectors over a million and a half strong. It requires a dedicated press department that expands our global reach far beyond the entrenched hobby marketplace. It's hard work, but a simple premise. Present the finest collectibles to the largest population of potential buyers, and world records will come. We invite all listeners to put the unmatched power of Heritage Auctions to work for you. Auction evaluations are always free, and our commission-based fee structure ensures that our interests are always aligned, the highest possible price for your collectibles. There will always be new world records to chase, so let's chase them together. Visit our website at ha.com and request your no-obligation review today. With record-breaking sales from everything from the white border T206 Hollandus Wagner for $3.12 million to some great items that support the Jackie Robinson Foundation, Golden Auctions has set the highest standards for the finest in sports cards, autographs, and game-used memorabilia. We're always accepting consignments of high-end premium sports treasures or entire collections. Please register for our next auction and bid now at goldenauctions.com. That's golden with an I. We at Golden Auctions are committed to providing unsurpassed customer service for the discriminating collector. That's exactly why we're the leader in the industry. Visit goldenauctions.com or call 856-767-8550. Remember, Golden Auctions. We don't just break records, we shatter them. Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auctions here to remind you that the renowned Memory Lane Collectibles Company has served as a beacon of light to the collecting community for the past several decades. Indeed, folks, it has been our utmost privilege and pleasure to provide the most enthusiastic collectors with an abundance of the finest sports cards and memorabilia for America's most coveted sports personalities via our world-class auctions. Whether you choose either a private sale transaction or the auction route, Memory Lane cordially invites you to reach out to us to maximize the value of your prized possessions. 
Also, it is not just sales that we pride ourselves on being the best of the rest, because if you are seeking a particular keepsake for your esteemed gathering, we will be relentless in our quest to find that special piece to fulfill your collecting dreams. So no time to wait. Reach out to us today for the purposes of capitalizing on our unparalleled marketing capabilities. Simply pick up the phone and dial 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE. Or find us on the World Wide Web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Now is the time for your valued consignment to ultimately become another one of Memory Lane's record-setting prices. Hey, I'm Mike Petroselli. If your company is looking for the best in marketing and promotional items, you'll hit a home run with Petroselli Marketing. With over 8,000 suppliers and 650,000 imprint-ready items, we can get your company the visibility it needs to get your maximum exposure. Whether it be office promotions, wearables, automotive, sports items, and everything in between, Petroselli Marketing can do it all. Our design staff will even work with you from concept to delivery and customize your products. At Petroselli Marketing Group, we will get your brand in front of your audience. Contact us at info at PetroselliMKT.com or call us at 603-880-3202. That's Petroselli Marketing, where no dream is impossible. Yes, Petroselli Marketing. Yes, friend of the family. Uh, friend of the family, all right. <laughs> yeah, the son, first of all. But look, uh, uh, Petroselli Marketing, I, I started in 1999. My son took 1928. Uh-oh, they didn't I have it then. But uh, they serve clients. Mike serves clients all over the country. So you can, I mean, it's the internet and all that stuff. Uh, and get your logo. Anyway. Go to 800-860-4623 also. He gave you another number. PetrocelliMKT.com. Believe me, uh, he does a great job. Thank you. Okay. Uh, we uh, we kind of lost power down here in Florida. I mean, we had this big wind come through. And the next thing, the internet uh, was down. So anyway, pay we are back. And uh, we're all here, right? Uh, Danny's here. Big Al is here. Al, how are you? Yep. How are you? Hey, Good. Al, All right, Al Christopher. Looks like you guys didn't pay the rent. You're you're like no, 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 no. We actually we've got plenty of time. We got about twenty minutes left. What so is this? You froze like Walt Disney. You know what happened? <laughs> Honest to God, we were sitting here and we're looking out the window. Office. This big wind came through, and we were talking. Rico and I thought we were still on. You guys had frozen. This and is, I said, Rick, it's I like a mini hurricane. It was unbelievable. It's like <laughs> push. Anyway, we is have he back. Dorothy? <laughs> hey Al, uh, you know you didn't hear uh, my Gax moment today. I don't know if you did. No. Okay. Uh, we talked about uh, my. I used your uh, editorial oh. that, you, that you wrote on the standard catalog and needing right. it, and how much we do need a standard catalog. Can you give us a couple of examples that happened to you as to one of the reasons why would you, would that, yeah. Can you do yeah, that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and you know, you guys know each other, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. This is a thing that happens to us a couple times a year, actually, where, where, uh, you know, we, we're kind of known for, for, uh, you know, stuff you don't see every day. And, and so because of that, a lot of times material comes in that's uncatalogued, uh, that that needs a little help. A perfect example is the the Herpelsheimer cards, the 1921 Herpelsheimer cards that we just 
sold um, 39 of them. Uh, there, there were uh, previously there was only one example of each of 69 or 70 cards. Nobody knew if the cards had ever been issued. Um, nobody knew if there was more than one card in existence because it was only one of each player. And and it had been like that since the cards were discovered back in 2004. We, uh, you know, got a consignment of 39 newly discovered cards. So some were dupes to the ones that that had come from the first find. And uh, and others were were, you know, never they were the first example known. And and uh, in the process of researching these cards and during the course of the auction, um, a couple of guys over on the Net54 message boards found an old ad from the store, and we were able to use that and and dig in a little bit and learn that the cards were distributed. There was a complete set of 80, and and uh, the, the, uh, the cards were issued. If you went to the boys' department of the Herpelsheimer store and bought a new suit, you got a free set of, of baseball cards, 80 cards, and... and uh, all of that changed everything in the standard catalog. It, it changed, everything about you know what's written about that set. We it has changed. Um, I'll give you another example right here. This is a really really cool thing. I don't know if you can really see yeah. it. This is a 1921 Voskamp's Coffee Bill Skiff. Okay, uh, Voskamp's Coffee was a, a company based in Pittsburgh, and in 1910 they issued a set of cards. Uh, of 20 cards featuring members of the Pirates. They did it again in 1921. Up until this thing that I'm holding in my hand, there is only one example of a card from this set that has ever been discovered, okay? The checklist has one card. Um, they happen to know because on the back of the cards, it says the 20 cards that, that were included in the set. So they know what the 20 cards that would have been issued are, um, but there's only been one card ever discovered, and it was sold at an auction a few years ago. And here's the second known example, okay? There needs to be a place to report this stuff. There needs to be a resource for this for this kind of information. I think what, what what's happening with the hobby right now, especially in, in light of this post-pandemic sort of boom, is companies are losing sight of the fact that this is not just all about profit right? We're stewards of this hobby. It's going to be here after we're all gone. And and we owe something to it. The standard catalog has been a thing that's been out there and it's been the central resource for collectors. It's been the Bible for collectors forever and or not forever, but for years. And, and so now that unfortunately Bob Lemke passed away, he was the editor, he passed away in 2016. There has not been a new issue of the standard catalog published. Nobody knows who owns it. Uh, nobody, nobody knows um, I, I mean, it's ridiculous. And, and so if you find some variation, if you find some error, which think about it, collectors do all the time, all the time, yeah, all the time. And, and, uh, you know, you used to report those things to the standard catalog and the grading companies use that, uh, the, you know, auction houses use it. It's the Bible The dealers use it. Collectors use it. This is how we all share our, our knowledge and how we learn from each other. And that resource is just gone. And, and uh, you know, what I'm sort of calling on is the Sabre uh, Baseball Cards Committee to to uh, resume publishing the standard catalog. But in order to do that, somebody's got to give it to them. 
Rick, why don't you guys, uh, you can, uh, both of you can answer, why don't you form an association? You know what I mean? Well, I, yeah, but that doesn't, I mean, why? Yeah, you, you can, but yeah, but it's still, so, I mean, you know, would much, go to the association would be, that would Rico, be one of their responsibilities. So, great question. So, we tried doing that a long time ago at okay. one of the shows. We had a huge conference and we tried oh. together an association. Yeah. It's getting people on board and getting people on yeah. board is really tough. You know, and Al can talk <clears throat> as well. Yeah, can't have people out of the, the hobby, meaning that they would know something. Well, you know, know something, Al, Rico, company. he's making a good point because, you know, what would happen? I mean, Dan, I'm going to use you guys as an example, along with a love of the game. I'm, I'm assuming you're in agreement with Al that a standard catalog is needed, correct? 100%. I mean, we had Marshall Fogel and Levi Bleem, and we had, I mean, we had a great group of people that were ready to do this. And mm -hmm. it just kind of fizzled out. And, and and like Al was saying, Saber, if Saber can jump in, if they can have an association like a, a collab, like a collab with like the baseball hall of fame. I mean, this needs to be taken seriously to to you know. Okay, but here, here's I my think... question. Okay. Well, here's my question to both of you guys. So Rico made a comment about an association. What would happen if all of the big time dealers, collectors, everybody did put this association together and then everybody chips in a few bucks and pays somebody to pick up. You don't need to pick up the standard. Yeah. I mean, you create a new standard catalog, I guess, Al. Is that so, a possibility? So uh, to address the first point about the association, um, I, I think what we're doing here is we're, we're trying to invent something that's already invented. Saber. Yeah has the baseball cards committee. Okay. There, it, it's That should be the association. Right. They should have a more visible role in right. the hobby. Um, they're all scholars there. They're researchers. They're, they're great. Hobbies. They're great. Yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, um, and, and as being a part of Sabre, which is a great organization to begin with, this is a way that you can, you can sort of elevate, you should know, baseball it. in general, sure. in terms of, in terms of why, uh, why not start from scratch Think about the years and years and years of research that's in that standard catalog already. I mean, just the paragraph that introduces each set and explains who owned the company and how they were distributed and what are they. I mean, why why should we reinvent the wheel when that knowledge already exists and it's already there? It's just not being used by whoever it is that owns so, it. So you can't you can't pick up with. I see what you say. You can't. I, I mean, pick you up, can. Well, what's already copyrighted, you can't pick that up. Right. Right. That's, that's so, the, so, you know, I mean, transfer, you can well, have them no, yeah. available to Sabre. It, right. So is, is it realistic? Add is is it possible for some organization? Is it possible for Sabre to say, OK, we're going to dive in and we're going to start right from the beginning and, and we're going to build the standard catalog? Yeah. But why not just instead of saying we've got to start with 1869, why not just say we got to start with 2016? You know, and and all of this information that's already available, we can yeah. build on, and, and yeah, rather too. than start Good idea, game, you know. All right. So if that's if that's your premise, which I agree with, mm -hmm. again, um, why do you uh, those uh, those books those other books the standard catalog already exists? So right. so so Saber would pick it up from 216, 2016 on, right? Right. Right. So so why do you need? to 
someone to donate the rights. The rights. If if they're they're taking copyrighted information out of the standard catalog, that's that's what the issue. So you're saying this stuff from two sixteen back? Yeah, like why why throw that out? You know why not expand on it? And yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. You know, if there's an organization that already owns it that's not using it, you know, I guess you know what my what my issue is is whoever owns it. I don't know who it is. It could be Penguin Random House, which purchased uh, the the books from Krause. It could be AIM, which is the, I can't remember what the acronym is, but they own SCD and a bunch of the magazines that came from, from Krause. Right. Or it could be some other entity. There were, there were, or it could be, you know, completely unclear. Maybe nobody knows, you know, maybe after way, you know, but somebody owns that, that intellectual property. And, and, my contention is either use it, either publish the thing, or donate those assets to somebody. Value them and donate them to Saber. Makes let, sense. Let Saber go ahead and take over and publish it, and take whatever tax benefit you can by writing, you know, by writing off those assets or whatever it is that you do. I don't understand any of that stuff. Um, I could barely speak English, but, but, uh, you know, <laughs> like a sideburn. <laughs> so, man. Nice sideburn. Right, we are chatting yeah. with uh, Al Christopher and Danny Wilkin from memory lane and love of the game auctions. Uh, Hey Tom. Yo. Yeah. Just let's go back and forth guys yeah. with the, uh, with the catalog. They could sell so much advertising. It's insane oh. to support. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. You know, Tom, you know, publishing firsthand and what it costs. They could sell so much advertising to cover yeah. that. Go ahead. Yeah. No, Saber, I mean, go ahead, Al. Saber has this whole publishing division where they pu- they publish research materials, they publish yeah. books. They, pu- I mean, they they know how to do this, and and so, you know, they they this it could be digital for X number of years, and then every third year or fourth year they make a printed yeah. one. Oh, I mean, there's. And there would be no reason for, you know, the one thing that that the standard catalog did was it tried to stay on top of prices. And it, it's not necessary anymore. Technology is. Well, you know, I got a lot of the information that I got from Rico uh, starting in 1885. He's he's uh-huh. all the guys he played well, he took with. took notes back then. Exactly, right? Yeah. right? Uh-huh. Yeah. King uh, Kelly. Well, I don't want to say anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> What's the problem, guys? Is it getting somebody or somebody that w- wants to? Do this? No, you got to find out who owns the rights. Right. The guy's so, dead. Somebody's got to do it. One of the one of the auction houses is Al. Uh, He's been trying to research. You can't okay, find. That's it. what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And I, okay. I also feel like like um, you know, as as an auction, you know, some people have have asked me, well, why don't you do it? I have an auction house. That's that's what yeah. I do. And, it would and, be a full, uh, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. a full time oh, job. Yeah. It's yeah. a full time. Yeah. Now, I mean, um, maybe Malori. Hey, talk to Malori. Maybe yeah, Malori. It's will somebody do it. that's uh, you know. Really anyway, uh, uh, you right. guys are a little. You're you're touching a lot. You like you side <laughs> by side. I don't know. I kind of just sure. saw that. You guys are kind of close. Listen to them. This look at one piece of paper separates. And he's got shorts on. And, and I got to tell you something. <laughs> El- COVID, COVID, COVID <laughs> wardrobe. <laughs> and I got to tell you something. I'm too old. Ellen, uh, Ellen and Elsie. Elsie, Rico brought uh, Elsie, uh, his beautiful wife, to my house. Oh, oh. And Ellen and Elsie, been, they were out there drinking. They've been out there for two, for two hours. <laughs> I thought they'd be blown away by the hurricane. <laughs> I don't know where they went. Um I, I want to ask both of you guys. Oh, by the way, Al, you have uh, you have no auction going on right now, but you have one coming up when? 
coming up in March. It's going to close March 30th. So we're still gathering consignments for that one. But I'll tell you what, it's going to be a really good one. Any good really tidbits excited. you can throw out? You got any tidbits? We have this great Jackie Robinson card. That's this uh, this uh, 1947 Bond bread exhibit. Jackie Robinson coming in from some guy down south. Uh, nice. It's it's uh... a <laughs> good card. A good card. Yeah, Hell we've got some great stuff though. We've got you know last auction we had a a, a punch cigars uh, Pete Hill. I'm sorry, <laughs> this time Pete we Hill. have a punch cigar. we have punch cigars Pete Hill. We had Pop Lloyd in the last auction. We got Pete Hill in this auction, and hopefully we'll continue the trend of of uh, you know record breaking sales on Negro League cards. Um, we've also got some other just you know fantastic stuff coming down the pike in in that auction. I'm really excited. I'm about Dang to. It. And Ow. Danny, your auction ends. Okay, go ahead, Dan. Our, our auction ends this Saturday, uh, seven o'clock Eastern Standard Time, with extended bidding. You got to get in before seven o'clock Eastern Standard Time in mm-hmm. order to, in order to continue to bid. But I, you know, with what Al's, you know, Al sells, you know, auctions off a lot of incredible items. You know, what would be so cool is bringing a class into colleges <laughs> and and kind of like teaching because you know what it's so is monotonous the right word where you're in school you're you know you have your you know classes during the day why not throw something in with collectibles with you know, you know who all- does that I, I tell you what you know uh, uh, Al, you know paul paul Borges, right um from pb collectibles i don't oh yeah 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 okay al's a great i mean uh paul's a great guy Al's great and- too Paul, no, but Paul teaches. Right. Paul teaches at a college in Rhode Island. Uh-huh. He's a business uh, uh, professor, and he has done that. He he has incorporated right. some of the collectibles world into his business classes. So and that's a great idea, Danny. Great yeah. idea, guys. How, how do you get these consignments? You, get, you just Al, get, go ahead. They rob people. They what do you think? How do you think they get? Them? Asking, they mug people. Right. You have a uh, you have a sort of a, a staple group of people that that, you know, are collectors that you have relationships with and, and you can go okay. back to. Um, there are also, you know, we get a lot of stuff from outside the hobby. Um, you know, we spend a lot of time, uh, you know, talking to people who are who are, you know, they have parents. <laughs> they have stuff in their attic. They have, you know, we, we work a lot with people who are first time consigners or maybe even only time consigners um, okay. to, to uh, you know, to bring some of this. And that's where a lot of the uh, um, a lot of the stuff that you never see comes from. You know, we had one uh, maybe two years ago that came from the uh, uh, the estate of a former dead ball era pitcher named Barney Pelty. Who was one of the first, uh, one of the first Jewish, one of the early Jewish players in in baseball? He played for the St. Louis Browns, and uh, and his, I think it was his granddaughter that called us and said, "We have all these pictures, and we're going to just throw them out if you don't think they're oh, valuable." Okay. And there was a there was a stack of uh, of uh, 1908 Breakstone postcards. There was about twenty five of them. They're super super rare postcards. There were all these. This was another one that we needed the standard catalog. There's I. I have in here. Let's see if I have it. Yeah, here we go. I like that turntable, by the way. 
Nice. Yeah, it's my old. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't stand it anymore. We moved into this new office, and I have no music, and I, I, I like had to get a little system to so wow, I could spin records cool. during the day. So this is one of the Bregstone postcards, and you'll see the PSA. No, uh, they they won't hold her. Same thing. Yeah, it's yeah. a different yeah. pose. It's not cataloged, and and so it's a different pose, and the layout is a little bit different. Um, and and so we can't get it in holder. And and uh, that's another example exactly what you're talking about. But that came from that estate, from the from Barney sure. Pelt's estate. You know, it was just it was about two hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff that they had in their attic. Yeah, Danny, what about you? How do you guys get them from all over the place? You know, yeah, I mean, we have clients from back in the day, and there are a lot of you know, as as clients get older, they decide to uh, you know move on and kind of pass these collections off to you know, to cash in so they can, you know, leave money for, yep. you know, their kids and stuff like that. But I mean, we advertise everywhere inside and outside the hobby and that's key. And I don't think enough people do that outside the hobby like it does we do. So, you know, it's, it's just repeat business and uh, it's surprise. It's not surprising that we'll get some real rare items from, mm-hmm. you know, past consigners or collectors or, you know, and the like, like Al said before, you know, pandemic, the, uh, you know, we had a huge boom in the hobby. So, you know, it's, it's an, the idea that, you know, with a stockbroker, you could make four or 5%, you know, today, probably about seven, eight, 10%. But in our hobby, they see the the turnaround, they see, you know, the profit they can make. And if they can double, triple their money, that's a sound investment that, you know, they can turn into a huge profit. So, yeah. you know, you should do like Vinnie Badabing does in Boston Bada-bing. down the north end. Yeah. What does he do? Well, he breaks legs. That's, That's how you do it. That's the people. thing. What the heck? Yeah. No, I'm serious. You know people. <laughs> All right. Listen, we're just about out of time. <laughs> Dan, your auction ends Saturday night. And the uh, website address is? www.memorylaneinc.com. It ends on the 13th this Saturday, 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And And if you want to see some some really crazy Babe Ruth stuff, uh, look at that memory lane. I mean, they've got some some cool stuff stuff that you just never see. Hey, Hey, Tom, can I blow you away for one second? Yeah, we got about 30 seconds. Okay, all right, real quick. The only known photo-matched Lou Gehrig, bat right bat. <laughs> this came from Al's auction many years ago. Oh, and this is actually bad. Lou Gehrig's game used wow. photo matched. Wow. Very uh-huh. cool. Very cool. Thank you. Right, listen. Oh, by the way, Al, I'm going to put the arm on you. Dan, thank you so much for the yes. unbelievable uh, memorabilia you sent us for the Little Smiles auction. And yeah, Al, absolutely. thank you so much. Because we it's know coming. you're sending us. Something. It's coming. It's coming. You talk, I thought I had till March. Send us one of those baby uh, items. <laughs> talk to talk to Dan about that Derek bat. That'll be beautiful. Yeah. Right. All right, guys. <laughs> Thanks. Guys. Listen. Have a great, great week. We love you guys. You, you know what you both mean to us. Yes. Uh, you guys have been fantastic to our viewers and listeners. Sorry for the little bumpy internet stuff, but that wasn't our fault. Oh, it was a hurricane. You Nathan. better go check on your wives. Exactly. With the good point. <laughs> that being said, happy collecting. Hey, you guys. Hello. Thanks. Take care. Bye bye.
The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.